0: Hi everyone, welcome back. If you're new here, my name is Alexis. I'm in the 11th grade and this is my government podcast. So today's podcast is gonna be a little bit different. Today I'm gonna be answering questions. These questions are questions provided by my government teacher. And I'm going to answer them because they're required. So these questions mostly ask about the presidential powers, um, such as informal powers for formal powers. How do I feel as if as if presidential power has progressed over time? And to be honest, this is a great time for this subject because the presidential election is going on in the world. Well, by the time you may have already heard that we have a new president, Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States, and we're going to talk about how I felt about that. Spoiler, I am absolutely elated that Joe Biden has defeated Donald Trump, and we'll talk about him in this episode as well. Either way, I think it's time we get into the actual podcast topic. Okay, guys, now that you have made it out of my very long introduction, now let's start the discussion. Question number one asks, to what extent has the power of presidency expanded over time? In my opinion, the president has gained much more power than he should have. Um, being that we have a selfish president, um, we have more issues with the president using his power at an unreasonable level. Now we have formal powers and informal powers. Formal powers, these presidential powers are explicitly stated in the constitution. Informal powers, these informal powers, these presidential powers are not explicitly stated in the constitutions. There are five formal powers and five informal powers. The five formal powers consist of vetoes and pocket vetoes. I have no idea. Commander-in-chief, make treaties, appointment power, and take care clause. The five informal powers consist of executive orders, executive agreements, bully pullet, signing agreements, and bargaining and persuasion. Now, how do these formal and informal powers impact the executive branch? These impact the executive branch because the branch has the power to check nor not check the president based on majority ideology of the Senate. Now, in an earlier statement, it stated that we have a selfish president, I mean, I mean had as in Donald Trump, our former president, he's selfish, so during this election, Donald Trump has been very devious being those people who has who have voted against him, some have received letters stating that he knows where they live and have been threatened because they voted against him and voted for our now President Joe Biden. If that isn't evil, then I honestly don't know what is. And I am thankful and very happy that he is no longer the President of the United States. Now, our next question asks, it states, do you believe that in 2020, we should have the Electoral College? Um, I would say with how things are going in 2020, I think that um, the Electoral College is not necessary. We should not have the Electoral College because I think that in the United States, we the people should be able to choose who we want to lead us. And we already have a president, so yeah. Being that electoral, now I'm going to, because electoral, the electoral college, basically, it just decides too much. We already have a president, so I don't see the need. I believe that in the United States, we and the people, we, the people, should be able to choose who we want to lead us, meaning that the electoral votes (coughs) have the last say. And who becomes president. I honestly believe that we, the people, should have the last say so. According to a source, what is the Electoral College? It states, when citizens cast their ballots for president in the popular vote, they elect a state of electors. Electors can then cast votes that decide who becomes president of the United States. So... Based on that, this piece of evidence shows how the Electoral College chooses the president. Their votes basically matter more, I would say. And um, they're not the only people who are being affected by who is elected into the White House. And I think that we, as the people, should get the last word. And now we're going to listen to a YouTube
1: video. Around the world, elect their head of state with a popular vote. So whoever gets the most votes wins. But in America, we do it a little differently. The U.S. is the only country that picks its president using something called the Electoral College. It's made up of delegates from each U.S. state. When Americans vote for president, what they're actually voting for is who their state will vote for. This is why, every so often, someone wins the presidency without winning the popular vote. That's happened twice in just the past 20 years. The majority of Americans do not like the system and haven't for a long time. Both political parties have made attempts to get rid of it. So why does the U.S. still use the Electoral College? And who actually benefits from it? The Electoral College is based on how people are represented in Congress, where each state has a number of representatives based on its population, and every state also gets two senators. So for example, let's look at Texas, which has a huge population, and Vermont, which has a really small one. Texas has 36 representatives in Congress. Vermont only gets one. Representatives in both states each represent roughly the same number of people. In the Electoral College, a state gets the same number of delegates as their congressional representatives, plus two for each senator. So Texas has 38 electoral votes, Vermont has three. But this combination makes the number of people each delegate represents way different between states. In Texas, one electoral delegate represents three times the amount of people as one in Vermont. And that makes each individual person's vote in Vermont a lot more influential. The electoral college creates discrepancies like this all over the country. A voter in Wyoming is worth three and a half times as much as a voter in California. And the winner of the presidential election is the candidate who gets 270 or more of these electoral college votes. These are the results of the 2016 election by state. You're probably more familiar with this version of it, a map of red states and blue states. But this chart tells a different story. You can see that no state is actually all red or all blue, but almost every state awards its electoral votes the same way. The candidate who gets the most votes in a state gets all its electoral votes. If they win the state by 1%, they win 100% of the electoral votes. In 2016, more than 4 million people voted for Donald Trump in California. In fact, more people voted for him there than in any other state except for two. But it didn't matter. Hillary Clinton got more votes there, so she got all 55 of its electoral votes. Clinton never even campaigned in California. Polling showed she'd easily win the state. Trump only visited Texas once. He knew he'd basically have that state's electoral votes locked. But they both visited Florida 35 or more times. That's because Florida is usually a swing state. Polls show that the vote there could swing to one party or another nearly every election. Trump only won it in 2016 by 100,000 votes out of more than 9 million. Swing states have changed over time thanks to shifting demographics and political views. And it's states like these where presidential candidates spend most of their time campaigning. It also means these states have way more influence over the election than these ones. A study found that voters in Michigan had 51 times the amount of influence on the 2016 election as someone from a state like Utah. Voters in states like California or Missouri mattered very little. Swing states are where the election actually takes place. They get the attention and the influence, and they only exist because of the Electoral College. It doesn't seem very fair, but the Electoral College has always shifted power away from some people and towards others. It was how it was designed. Back when there were just a few states, not 50, they had to get all the states to agree on the Constitution. One problem. The northern states, which were largely anti-slavery, wanted only free people to count in the population towards electoral votes, which they had more of. The pro-slavery southern states were worried that they would be constantly outvoted and wanted enslaved people to count in determining the population. As a compromise, they settled on something called the three-fifths clause. It established that an enslaved person would only count as three-fifths of a person. In 1800, Pennsylvania, a northern state, and Virginia, a southern one, had about the same number of free people living there. But Virginia was also home to hundreds of thousands of enslaved people who had no freedom, let alone a vote, and ended up with more votes in the Electoral College than Pennsylvania. That year, those extra electoral votes gave the candidate from Virginia just enough to win. Even after the U.S. finally abolished slavery and eventually gave Black Americans the right to vote, white Southern leaders found ways to keep them from voting, like with discriminating laws like poll taxes and acts of violence. This meant they continued to have overrepresentation in the Electoral College on behalf of a large population that couldn't vote. The first time Congress attempted to replace the Electoral College with a simple popular vote was back in 1816, But senators from Southern states blocked it, saying it would be deeply injurious to them. In 1969, Congress came even closer. Replacing the Electoral College had support in both parties and even passed the House, but it was blocked again by Southern senators. A senator from Alabama wrote, "'The Electoral College' is one of the South's "'few remaining political safeguards. "'Let's keep it. "'Why change a system that historically had, "'and still was benefiting white Southerners?' Today, the states that the Electoral College benefits have changed, but it's still making some voters more powerful than others. If we look at the states with a lot of electoral votes for not a lot of people, and the states with a little electoral votes for a lot of people, these states are a lot wider and less diverse than the rest of America. And many of these states are Republican strongholds. These tend to vote Democratic. That's one reason the two most recent Republican presidents have won the Electoral College without winning the popular vote. And since it's currently Democrats that are primarily disadvantaged by the Electoral College, they're the ones leading the charge to replace it with a popular vote. Get rid of the Electoral College and everybody. But as politics have changed, the people most critical of the Electoral College have too. In the 1948 presidential election, New York ended up being the major swing state. A congressman from Texas said, I have no objection to the Negro in Harlem voting, but I do resent the fact that his vote is worth 100 times as much as the vote of a white man in Texas. Swing states change. What doesn't is that the Electoral College gives certain people more power to pick the president. And its biggest defenders have always been those who benefit the most from it.
0: Alright, now that the video or voiceover is done, let's get into the last question. Okay, so the last question asks, how does your theme relate? So if, if you are not new here, then you know that I have a set theme and it is fair and equal for all. If you are new here, then you wouldn't have known that. But, anyways, how does my theme relate? I think that my theme relates because in today's world, that's all that matters when it comes to anything public. What I mean by that is black lives, like, protests that are going on, like, black lives matter. And, you know, racial things. You know, police brutality. And it's... um, there have been a lot of riots because, like, the George Floyd um, situation and the situation with Breonna Taylor. <clears throat> with presidential powers, it's nothing different. Everyone was created equal, but however some may feel as if what's going on with um, Black Lives Matter and how as you heard the electoral electoral college basically decides the president instead of us the people. Um, many people would feel as if that's not fair and equal to all because someone of a higher power is making the decision and it's kinda like our our opinion does not matter um, the president does whatever he wants um I say that because of his the way he portrays himself on social media, the things that he has done um as well as yet you know, things that he has said and just his overall behavior is not leader-like and that the electoral college's colleges votes um matter more than the citizens and it where it's where it's going to be our president too so um, I really think that the electoral college needs to go because those votes are, I guess, more important than ours, which is not fair and it's not equal. It just basically is like we're wasting our time voting for something, and our basically our voices is, are not gonna be heard because, um. The Electoral College, which is of a higher power, gets the last say-so. And I think to everyone that that's not fair. It's definitely not fair to me. It's not fair to um the people. And now let's get into the conclusion. In conclusion, I do think that things have changed when it comes to presidential power. I feel as if things have become more lenient when it comes to the president. I feel as if the things that Donald Trump did were very selfish and he got away with so much because his power was overlooked. I honestly hope that things are going to change for the better. With our new president, I hope he is an honest man and does, doesn't does use his power for evil. As well as I think that the Electoral College has enough power as it is and I don't really think we need it in 2020. I don't think that they should get the last word when it comes to certain things such as the presidential election. Um. I think that that I think that is too much power and lastly I think my theme which is fair and equal for all relates to this because with the president and electoral college having as much power as they have it's safe for people to think that these things dealing with the formal and informal powers are not fair and equal all I have to say is I hope that Joe Biden makes America great again. And this has been Government Talks with me.